I asked in the email that I sent out this week uh, to be praying as we come to these particular verses now in Romans 5. And this is one of those passages that it can be at first glance and the first reading, you may kind of shake your head and a few things. Wait, wait, what, Paul, what, what are you saying? And so, just be praying. Because apart from a move of the Holy Spirit, where will we get understanding? It, it's gotta be from Him. And so, uh, as, as we read this, pay particular attention and perhaps, uh, with me having sent that out, you, you went and read this passage. And so pay particular attention as we read through beginning in verse 12 through the remainder of the chapter through verse 21. Um, I don't know how long we're going to be in this particular passage. Um, we will talk briefly about quite a bit of this passage, but be focusing pretty much today on verse 12. So let's let's begin. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of the righteousness and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we just come before You and we just stand before Your Word and we just want to say, Word of God, speak. Lord, just pour out Your Spirit upon us. I pray, Father, that You would keep me from error, keep me from getting on a soapbox, keep me in Your Word and listening to You. And help us all, help us all to fight the good fight of faith even as we're sitting, listening to a sermon. Help us fight the good fight of faith. Take up the shield of faith in your word as the sword that we may hear and that we may grow in you. And so, Father, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And perhaps most of all, who we are not, make us. For Christ's sake, and in his name I pray, amen. Well, when we come to a 
complex passage, what do we do? How do we approach it? Well, we pray. And we pray. And we pray. And then, we accept by faith what the Lord will reveal to us as we are able to receive it. Even those things that seemingly are beyond human comprehension. So let's put Romans 5, verse 12 up by itself. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sin. Therefore, that, that connects what is following to what has just been declared. Well, what has just been declared? We spent several weeks, and really, you just take everything in, in those first four chapters, all has been declared, but let's do this. What, what has been declared is we have been reconciled to God by the sacrifice of His only begotten Son. That's what's been declared. In, in Romans 5, let's just read 8 through 11, just so we'll see what was declared right before this. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. See, Paul is exulting, he's rejoicing in knowing Jesus, in knowing Him. And knowing Him. Then, verse 12, Therefore, through one man sin entered the world. Who's the one man that Paul is talking about? Adam. Adam. Through Adam, sin entered the world. Now, I'm going to ask this. Did sin originate through Adam? No, no, no. Was this the beginning of sin? No, no. Um, where did sin begin? Well, let's go First John three eight. First John three eight. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. And for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Sin originated where or with whom? The devil. The devil. Uh, who sinned from the beginning. W when was the beginning? We're not going to get caught up in that. We know it was sometime before Adam, I believe, was created. Before Adam was created. That, that's where I'm at on that. Sometime before that. Because you know what happened? Well, Lucifer, Satan, in pride, wanted to rise up and declare himself and be as God. And God cast him out and a third of all the angels went with him. Sin. And the devil is the author and the originator of sin. Now, sin originated with Satan, who sinned from the beginning, originated with the devil, but it was brought into the human realm through Adam, or by Adam. Now, at this point, someone would say, well, now wait a minute, preacher, uh, it was Eve. It was Eve who sinned first. And maybe some of you are sitting there thinking that very thing. But it was Eve. Now, yes, Eve disobeyed first, but who did God hold accountable? Adam. Who did God give the prohibition of not eating from the tree 
of knowledge. Adam. Let's read it. Genesis 2, verses 15 through 17. Genesis 2, 15 through 17. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Now, where was Eve at this particular time? She was still in Adam's side. She had not yet been created yet. Adam was given this prohibition, this command. One simple prohibition. We can say that. It's it's simple. Here is all of this. Don't eat of that one. Simple. Adam had been given dominion. Can, can we grasp what? He had been given dominion over every living thing that moved upon the earth. Can you grasp that? Of what had been given to Adam. And the one thing, don't eat from that tree. See, it was to Adam that God had directly given the command. Yes, Eve disobeyed first, but the primary responsibility for the sin was Adam's. Now, just let me pause as a side note here. Husbands, fathers, what's that say? What what principle can we carry from this? Who's responsible for the family? I don't think that's a stretch for me to go there. You, dads, husbands, are responsible. So take up the mantle of responsibility and lead your family in the Lord. It's you. God will hold you accountable. So you young men, you boys, understand that. Should the time come when you should have a wife and perhaps have children, you're responsible. It's a heavy weight, is it not? It's a responsibility. But I believe Bible throughout backs all that up. That the burden to lead the family falls to the man. Yes, Eve sinned first, but Adam had headship over Eve and should have insisted on their mutual obedience to God rather than allow her to lead him into disobedience. See, Eve was deceived by the devil. Did God really say, don't eat of every tree? Did God really say that? Uh, Just think about that a minute. Did He really say that? Adam was not deceived. Wait a minute. Can't we say that Eve deceived Adam? Well, well here, let's what scriptures say. 1 Timothy 2, verses 13 and 14. 1 Timothy 2, 13 and 14. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, but Adam was not what? Deceived. But the woman was deceived. But the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Is there consequences to disobedience? Yes, yes. Eve was deceived. Adam was not deceived. And now listen, listen. Adam flat out disobeyed God. That's it was not deceived. He just flat out disobeyed. 
And as there consequences to disobedience? Yes. And the consequence of this particular disobedience was what? Death. Death. Did Adam and Eve die instantly? No. That would have been the end of the human race. They didn't die instantly. No. But the sting of death. Can I put it that way? You know, Paul refers to that later. Later, he refers to that. The sting of death entered the world. The decay of death entered the world into the realm of the entire human race. Uh, Genesis 3, let's read verse 8 and 9. Genesis 3, 8 and 9. And they, this is Adam and Eve, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. <laughs> Can you fathom that or what's, what's being projected there in the midst of that? They, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to who? Adam. Adam. Well, maybe God didn't know it was Eve. Don't go there. Don't go there. God called to Adam and said to you, Where are you? God went straight to Adam. And now, look at this. The first part of uh, verse 17. I'm just going to read the first part of it. Then to Adam, he, God said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife. What can we get out of just that? Do you get the depths of the lesson that we should learn here? What is God saying? He is saying, in essence, you listened and believed someone else instead of believing and listening to what I told you. Isn't that, isn't that what he's getting at here? Any younger people still listening to me? Are you all checked out yet? Tell you, all, all, all the young ones especially, give me five. Give me five minutes. Just put down whatever you're, you're doing and just listen. Can you do that? Just give me a few minutes. Just a few minutes. Because, now this applies to all of us, but young people listen. Adam listened to his wife rather than listening to who? God. Listening to God. Who should we obey above everyone else? God. God. Obey Him. Adam knew better, yet he chose to listen to someone else rather than God. Then, stay with me, stay with me. When he got caught, Kevin, you brought this out, I don't know, a few months ago now, you, you brought this out. When he got caught, what did he do? He blamed, or tried to put the blame on Eve. Remember, remember what he said? It's, you know, to the, in fact, he was saying, it's your fault. He said this, that woman you, God, gave to be with me, it's her. So, what did Adam do? Tried to put the blame on someone else. Now stay with me. Did you see, did you see what he did? Now stay with me. No, Adam, it's you. It's you. Now keep listening. If God's words tells us not to do something, then don't do it. Don't do it. If dad, if mom, or if whoever at that moment who has authority in watching over you says don't do something, don't do it. Makes sense, doesn't it? Now, now keep listening. But if you disobey the Word of God or the one who has authority over you at that moment and you get caught, now listen, don't do like Adam and start pointing your finger at somebody else and trying to put the blame on someone else. You see? You see the principle that we can get from this. But 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 my, my little brother made me do it. My, my, my sister made me do it. My cousin made me do it. Somebody else made me do it. It's not my fault. It is your fault. 
Get that in your head. It is your fault. If you committed the offense, it's you. Because you had the choice. Can you see that? It's you. You can't put that on someone else. Don't be like Adam and try to blame your disobedience on someone else. Because it's you. It's you. And when you get caught and you're tempted, stay with me, and you're tempted to start coming up with that excuse, don't even go there. Because you're going to dig your grave a little deeper. Here's what you say. Why did you do that? Here's your answer. You you can write this down if you want to. Well, I tell you, God, Mom, Dad, I, I tell you, I decided, I chose to disobey. There's your answer. I chose. I know you told me not to do it, but I decided I'm going to do it anyway. Because that's what I wanted to do. There's your answer. Next time you get caught, just use that answer because that's the truth. Is it not? Parents, is that the truth? Yes, it is. Back to verse 12. A mini-sermon in a sermon. Is that what they called? I don't know. I don't know. Put verse 12 back up. Romans 5. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Paul is saying that it is through Adam that sin entered the world and the consequence to all men, death. Now, Adam and Eve didn't die instantly. Here I'm going to ask this question because perhaps in, in biblical conversation or maybe just in conversation, this little topic has come up. If Adam and Eve had not sinned, Did God create them to be immortal? Were they to just live forever and ever in the garden and not die? You ever think of that? You ever come against that? Somebody just just talking, what about this? Let me here, I'm going to ask you this question. Were they were they created immortal? No, but there was the possibility that they could be immortal. Preacher, where are you going? Let's read the Word of God. Why were they, let me ask this, why were they kicked out of the Garden of Eden? Because they ate of the tree of of knowledge of good and evil? No, it wasn't that. Why were they kicked out? Let's read it. Genesis 3, verses 22 through 24. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us. Who's the us? I take that to be the Trinity. There's the Trinity. To know good and evil. Now now listen, why were they kicked out? And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. There was another tree. Tree of life, which implied if you eat of that fruit, live forever. Immortal. That's what I'm seeing here. And now, lest he put out his hand and take and also and eat of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden. That's why he sent him out, so he could not eat of that tree. Sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he had, from which he was taken. So he, so God drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. There's the, I must use the word legend, because people take this and turn it in 
to a legend. There's probably movies, I'm sure, made people trying to find it. It's like trying to find the fountain of youth. We've got to find the tree of life so that we can eat of it and we'll live forever. No one could ever and would ever and will ever find it. But they will find the one who can bring eternal life. They will. They can find him. They can find him. So this is why, this is why, they were thrown out, so that they could not partake of this fruit, because apparently they haven't eaten of that fruit yet. I... Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men. In Adam, all die. All die. All of Adam's descendants, which is everyone who has ever been born, and I'm going to put an exception here, except Jesus Christ, because was Jesus Christ born of the seed of Adam? No. Do you see the importance of that? It's huge. Is it important that we believe in the virgin birth? Yes. And here's why. Because if he'd have been born of the seed of Adam, he would have been in sin. You see the importance. So that's why I say accept Jesus Christ. And we'll be talking about that later in sermon to come. In Adam, all, everyone dies. All will suffer physical death. And again, somebody's going, wait a minute, what about Enoch and Elijah? Okay, okay. Unless they're caught up like Enoch and Elijah, let me cover my bases because I know people love to wait, wait a minute. Am I getting cynical? I've I've been around a while. And and so you know how Paul covers his bases because he knows what's coming? <laughs> I guess I'm to that point where I'm doing that. Kevin, it's not a pretty thing, is it? It's not. So all right. All will suffer physical death unless they're caught up like Enoch or Elijah. But this one thing, for certain, all will suffer, you're listening, spiritual death. All. All. Which I believe Adam experienced immediately after his disobedience. Can I take you to a verse and read it? No. That's what, I, that's what I believe. Because when they ate of the fruit, their eyes were opened, they knew they were naked, things changed immediately. And death entered. At that moment, his body was going to die and go back to the earth from which it was formed. His spirit died, separation from God. All in Adam spiritually dead. We read Ephesians 2 an awful lot. Let's read three verses of it again today. Ephesians 2, the first three verses. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you, He, the Lord, made alive. Now, were, were you physically dead? No. No, you spiritually dead. He brought you spiritual life. And He... And you, He made alive, who were spiritually dead, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you also walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit which now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the others. By nature. Where did this sin nature come from? Adam. Everyone. Save Jesus Christ. Born with this sin nature. All, can I say it this way, inherited. I don't know if that's a good way to say it. 
It was passed down from Adam, a sin nature. All are born in sin. Psalms 51 verse 5, the psalmist put it this way. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Elsewhere, David states in Psalms 58, verse 3, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. And someone may want to come to me and say, wait a minute, that's the wicked, that's not me. It once was you. We we talked of that to some degree last Sunday. All all that we were before Christ. A terrible lot. Wicked, sinful, unholy, unrighteous. That's who we were. This was you at one point. Physical death and spiritual death in Adam. For all. Scotty, you read some from... MacArthur, I got. I think I've got two passages today. I'm going to read. I, I love listening to John. I love reading his messages and, and his books. And and here's what here's what John MacArthur said. Quote: Death is the unfailing fruit of the poison that entered Adam's heart and the heart of every one of his descendants. Even tiny babies can die, not because they have committed sins, but because they have a sin nature, the ultimate consequence of which is death. A person does not become a sinner by committing sins, but rather commits sins because he is by nature a sinner. Man, there's a statement right there. You know, the the, the doctrine of total depravity wrapped up in that statement, I believe. Let me read it again. A person does not become a sinner by committing sins, but rather commits sins because he is by nature a sinner. Let me keep going. This is John. A person does not become a liar when he tells a lie. He tells a lie because his heart is already deceitful. (laughs) So parents, what's that tell you about your kids? Hey, face it's a fact. They don't lie because they're a liar. They lie because their heart is deceitful and wicked. That's why they lie. You see that? That's why. Don't be surprised. Until a miracle of redemption and regeneration happens, that's them. Let me keep going. A person does not become a murderer when he kills someone. He kills because his heart is already murderous. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 19, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. End quote. I thought he stated that so well. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sin. In Adam, all sin. All born in sin, all with a sin nature from birth. And I said inherited, perhaps can I say it this way? Adam's sin was imputed to all mankind. How about that? Because we've been talking about imputation. I think I I can say that. Adam's sin was imputed to all mankind. We are all united to Adam. Perhaps some of you who have read and studied these things have read of the union with Adam, perhaps. And that's it. We are in union with Adam in his sinning, and some and some will say, "Well, why does this matter? Why are you hounding on this?" Here's what they'll say: 
We've already read in Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, preacher. We've already read that. That's Romans 3.23. And we also know in Romans 6.23 that we've been taught that the wages of sin is death. We get it, preacher. We get it. I sin, you sin. Why does it matter if we take all this back to Adam? It's our individual sinning that that condemns us, right? No. No, it's not. You were condemned when you were born. That's where Paul's going with this. Yes, an individual sin and sinning is bad. Yes, that the sins that we commit, but a person does not become a sinner by committing sins, but rather commits sins because he is by nature a sinner. Why does it matter? I'm going to read John Piper. Listen as he explains. What's at stake here is the whole comparison between Christ and Adam. Now let me pause. I don't know if you caught it when we read through the whole entire passage at the beginning. There was one part there where, where Paul said Adam was a type of he who is to come. Talking of Christ. Paul is making a parallel between Adam and Christ. And so, here's what Piper says. What's at stake here is the whole comparison between Christ and Adam. If we don't understand because all sin, as because all sinned in Adam, the entire comparison between Christ and Adam will be distorted, and we won't see the greatness of justification by grace through faith for what it really is. Let me try to illustrate, Piper says. Now here's where you're going to have to listen. You're going to have to listen closely. Because if you just catch part of this, you're going to say, I said, or Piper said something that we did not say. So you got to listen. So listen. If you say... Through one man, sin and death entered the world, and death spread to everyone because all sinned individually. Then the comparison with the work of Jesus could be, so also through one man, Jesus Christ's righteousness and life entered the world, and life spread to all because all individually did acts of righteousness. Do you see? You see why you have to take it back to Adam. Here, I'm going to read those two statements again. If you say, through one man, sin entered and death entered the world and death spread to everyone because all sinned individually, that's the sins that that we do, then the comparison with the work of Jesus could be, so also through one man, Jesus Christ, Righteousness and life entered the world, and life spread to all because all individually did acts of righteousness. It's not our acts of righteousness. It's His, an imputed righteousness from Christ. So the comparison would fall apart unless you take that all have sinned in Adam. That's why this is important. And I know this is deep stuff. I understand. I understand. But it's important. It's important. You're, we're in theology class right now. And that's we, we come to be equipped. We come so that we can understand what the Word of God is saying so that we might present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here, let, let me get back to the quote. Okay. In other words... Justification would not be God's imputing Christ's righteousness to us, but our performing individual acts of righteousness with Christ's help and then being counted righteous on that basis. Let me pause. That's everything that Paul has been fighting against with the Jews. It's not through works. Let me continue. When Paul saw... That is a possible, a possible misunderstanding of what he said. He stopped to clarify. But what does it say about the work of Christ? If we take the words, because all sinned mean, because all sinned in Adam, which is how we should, then it would go like this. So here, listen again. 
Just as through one man sin and death entered the world and death spread to everyone because all sinned in Adam and his sin was imputed to them, so also through one man Jesus Christ righteousness entered the world and life through righteousness and life spread to all who are in Christ because His righteousness is imputed to them. It's Him and His righteousness, not Mine, my righteousness is nothing but filthy rags before the Lord. It's Him. Continue with Piper. That is the glory of justification by grace through faith. The basis of our vindication and acceptance before God is not our righteous deeds, but Christ's righteousness imputed to us. But this would be all distorted if the words because all sinned at the end of verse 12 meant because all sinned individually and not because all sinned in Adam and his sin was imputed to us. The parallel Paul wants us to see and rejoice in is just is is that just as Adam's sin is imputed to us because we were in him, so Christ's righteousness is imputed to us because we are in Him. One of the best reasons for thinking this is what Paul meant is to look at verse 18 where he really does complete the comparison he started out with. And we're going to read verse 18 in a little while. We're going to save that. Piper said, Paul paused to clarify. Okay, so here's your lesson that you may not have seen before. It's, It's as though Paul knows the objections that are coming when he said that statement at the end of verse 12. He knows it's coming. And then the King James Version, the New King James Version, the ESV and the NASB at the end of verse 12 will be either a colon or a dash. And it's there because, not because the translators decided they needed to put it there, it's there because Paul put it there. Understand that. Paul put it there. Uh, Paul inserts what we would call a parenthesis. Paul pauses to clarify. Put put, uh, verse 12 and 13 up. Uh, Because all sin, dash, Paul did that. The beginning of verse 13, parentheses. Paul did that. Translators didn't. Yeah, they did that, but they did it because Paul had already put it there. Do you understand that? Paul put it there. And then at the end of verse 17, put up verse 17. Look at the end of verse 17. Closed parentheses. So what Paul is doing after he makes the statement in, in, in 12, because all sin, he knows the objections, and so he's going to clarify it immediately, and so he brackets it so that he can clarify it. Because Paul's point is to show the parallel or similarities between Adam and Jesus Christ. As I stated before in verse 14, it was that Paul stated that Adam was a type of him who was to come in Jesus. And to bring this point to its fullest magnitude, Paul must be sure that we understand that we all sinned in Adam. That's why he did this, that all were born in sin. Let me read another MacArthur quote. Because here's here's the objection. MacArthur talks about it. Some object to the idea that they sinned in Adam, arguing that they not only were not there, but did not even exist when he sinned. But by the same token, we were not physically at the crucifixion when Christ died. But as believers, we willingly accept the truth that by faith we died with him. We did not literally enter the grave with Christ and were not literally resurrected with Him, but by faith we are accounted to have been buried and raised with Him. 
If the principle were not true that all sinned in Adam, it would be impossible to make the point that all can be made righteous in Christ. That is the truth. Paul makes explicit later in this letter and in the first letter to uh, Corinth. And I think I put it there, Chase, 1 Corinthians 15.22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Let me keep going. Others argue that it is not fair to be born guilty of Adam's sin. Paul is going to address that when we get in a few more chapters in. Well, that's not fair to be born guilty. That's not fair. We did not ask to be born, they argue, nor did any, did our parents or, or their parents or grandparents before them. But neither, listen, but neither was it fair that the sinless Son of God suffered the penalty of sin on behalf of all mankind. Was that fair? Aren't you thankful that grace ain't fair? If God were only fair, Adam and Eve would have been destroyed immediately for their disobedience, and that would have been the end of the human race. It is only because God is gracious and forgiving and not merely just that men can be saved. The magnitude of Paul's analogy is mind-boggling, and its significance cannot be fully comprehended, but only accepted by faith. End quote. Do you see the implication of this doctrine? Do you see the implication that it will have on your evangelism, on your missions? Because Adam sinned, that sin and death was passed down to all, every nation, every tribe, every people group, all. Do you see the implication for world missions in this? And, and can you see that this absolutely destroys all false religions and cults? All born in sin. Just listen, listen. I'm, uh, here's, here's what we read from the passage today. I'm just going to pick out pieces from verses 15 through 19. Chase, I don't have it for you to put up there. I'm just reading little snippets. Verse 15. By the one man's offense, many died. Verse 16, For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. Verse 17, By the one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Verse 18, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Verse 19, For as by one man's disobedient, many were made sinners. And there's only one remedy. Only one. This message goes throughout the world to every nation and tribe. All born the sin of Adam in sin. Tied to him in union with Adam. You cannot escape it. All will die. That's the physical. But all have died spiritually. You see the magnitude of that. You get that across, and then it's there is only one remedy. There's only one solution. Only one. It's not all of these other things that the world religions have propped up. It's Christ and no other. Here's the good news of what we've heard today. Let me do the same thing with the good news. Verse 15, Much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Verse 16, The free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. Verse 17, Much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Even so, through one man's righteousness, Act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Verse 19, So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Verse 20, But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
There's the comparison. There's the similarities. There is the parallel that you cannot or you should not get away from because it's a tremendous doctrinal statement, all sinned in Adam. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 45 through 47. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last man, Adam, who is this? It's Jesus Christ. You see the parallel that Paul is continually trying to make. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last man, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. The natural man. We are by nature children of wrath. By nature, sin nature. The spiritual is not first. You're not born spiritual. The natural. And afterward, by the grace of God, the spiritual, you see. The first man was on the earth made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Now, I said we were going to read verse 18, and I kind of read a piece of it. Here's what I want to do. Remember, remember what we talked about. What Paul do? He put parentheses. He wanted to clarify what was being said in verse 12. What if we... Just stay with me. What if we, what if we just take out the parentheses? Let's put verse 12 and connect it down with verse 18 and 19. Let's do this. Not, not to discount everything that was said in there, but if but if, if Paul didn't put the clarification in there, here's what it, here's how it would have read, uh, verse twelve. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Now, verse eighteen and nineteen. Therefore, as through one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many were made righteous. Now we can read that. And perhaps some of you could say, why did Paul feel he needed to put that in there? Because it's important. Because it was so important to not get verse 12 wrong that Paul put in the clarification. And we'll be talking about that perhaps in a a little more uh, in the weeks to come. You see, the deepest problem of all of mankind is the connection with Adam's sin. No one on the face of this planet can escape it. No one. All the human race shares in the sin of Adam and the only remedy in all the universe for this condemnation is the justification that comes by the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. True saving faith in Christ is the only way to be united to Christ, justified and accepted before Him. Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way, and I quote, Adam's sin is imputed to us in exactly the same way that Christ's righteousness is imputed to us. We inherit, of course, the sinful nature from Adam. We have all sinned in Adam and are held guilty of sin. It is our union with Adam that accounts for all our trouble. It is our corresponding union with Christ that accounts for our salvation. End quote. All have sinned in Adam. All under the penalty of sin. There is none righteous. No, not one. All spiritually dead. And then the question perhaps I could ask this morning would be this. Have you been made spiritually alive? 
Are you alive in Christ? Is the Spirit of Christ dwelling in you? Are you bearing the fruit of righteousness in the life you live? See, there's the evidence. Or there's a evidence. In other words, are you saved? By grace through faith, have you believed the Gospel of Jesus Christ, repented of your sins, that sin that has taken all the way back in Adam, and received Jesus Christ as Lord? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 10, verses 9-13 through 13, That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And as always, we, we insert there, save from what? Save saved from the wrath of God, which will one day fall upon all who remain in the sin of Adam. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, my prayer is when we, we talk about Christ and of Him being the rescue and we read verses such as we just read that perhaps the Lord would use that to shine light into darkness. To bring someone from spiritual death to spiritual life because they've heard the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said this in John 5.24, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears My Word and believes in Him who sent Me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death unto life. John 3.36 He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. How sobering is that? And, and, and that's and that's see there's questions that we will all someday truly get the answer to and uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word. I pray, Father, that you would by your spirit bring clarity. And Lord, if in my words and my bumbling around that I said anything that would cause confusion, I just pray that, Lord, just by Your your great power and the overwhelming truth of Your Word, that You would just obliterate that from memory. Or Lord, bring it to our mind that we might say something to help clarify. So Lord, we give You thanks. We know, we know, we know there is no escaping the truth that everyone born is born into sin. And apart from a miracle of grace and mercy and redemption, every individual will remain there under Your wrath. So Father, by an act of great mercy and great love, would You open the spiritual eyes, bring to spiritual life perhaps someone who has listened or listening to this sermon who is yet dead in their trespasses and sins. Father, let them see You and Your holiness. And in getting a glimpse of You, their sin is overwhelmingly revealed. And Lord, then remind them of the rescue in the cross, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, grant them faith that they may believe. And Lord, grant them repentance as they would cry out confessing their sins to You and receiving Christ as Lord. 
And Lord, then help them that they would bear fruits, fruit of righteousness and to turn from their sin and follow You the remainder of their days. And Father, for those of us who are, are born again, we are no longer a child of wrath. We are no longer under that penalty of the sin of Adam like we once were. But now we have been made a new creature, a new creation in Christ. Old things passed away. That's not us anymore. And help us, Lord, that we may exult, that we may rejoice in knowing that we are saved. So, Father, help us that we may live a life in this world that we would shine light into darkness, be a reflection of Christ. May You be magnified. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.